You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Today we find ourselves in the liturgy of Ephesians 5, which says this. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. But because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Light is a powerful thing. We'd pretty much be lost without it. We certainly would not have all the things around us that we have if we were unable to see. But more than that, uh, it's it's so powerful, we don't even fully know what it is. A lot of things are particles, a lot of things are wavelengths, but light is seemingly both. And that means to scientists that light is something that we don't really have a box for. It's something else that we haven't quite defined yet. And its power is seen in just about everywhere we go. If you are in a dark room but you put one little beam of light in it, guess where you're going to go? To the light. It's, it's the only thing that catches you. It's the only thing that you can make out. If you turn on a light bulb outside or a flame outside, you know that you're going to attract a bunch of bugs because things find light, and they run to it. They're attracted to it. They, they don't know where else to go with all of the darkness. In fact, light is, is so powerful that it, it often projects itself into the darkness. If I were to black out this entire room, and it would have to be broad daylight outside. If I were to black out this entire room, and then I was to find a hole in the wall and just put a hole about about this big in that wall, we would create what's known as a camera obscura. And a camera obscura is the original camera is how it worked. Essentially, once our eyes had, a, had adapted to the dark, do you know what would happen? The outside world would be projected in through that hole and projected all across this building and this wall, and it would be upside down. 
And when your eyes adjusted, you would look around you and you'd be like, I can see outside. Except it's over here. I can see cars driving by over there, but it's, it's over here. That's how powerful light is. And that's, that's a great description of what Christians do. As lights in the darkness, you step in and you project the topsy-turvy, upside-down world of the kingdom of heaven. And people don't quite understand how you're doing it, but they, they start to see the world in a different way than they saw it before. They start to see how much power is in just a little bit of light. Uh, for youth group many years ago, we tried to do one of these camera obscuras in this room over here. In case whoever fixed the hole in the wall, that was me. I drilled a hole through the wall. Marie's laughing. It was her. Yeah, sorry. I, I really wanted to show the kids how this worked in this analogy. So I drilled a hole through the wall where I knew there was a window on the other side. And it didn't work at all. Uh, it was not bright enough outside. So it failed miserably. And then we had to patch up the wall. But, you know, it was a good time for a bunch of students to be standing in the pitch black wondering what the heck I was doing. Um, that's how powerful light is. It can't really even be defined. And that's how the Bible talks about you. You are the light of the world. That almost sounds blasphemous because we're used to thinking Jesus is the light of the world. But he also says that about you. You are the light of the world. And you are called to shine so that other people can see that light and glorify your Father in heaven. You're a city on a hill. You can't be missed. People are attracted to light. Jesus equates light with good works. Here he equates it with going away from sinlessness. He's defining what beings of light are like. And it's metaphor, but it's even also kind of true in the spiritual. Because when you look at uh, the way that the Bible describes the resurrected body, it describes it very angelic-like. That you will kind of have your own light in the resurrection. It's a good thing Revelation talks about us never needing to sleep because if you're like Jody who needs to have it pitch black, she's just going to be glowing the whole time and she won't be able to sleep, but it's fine. The Bible talks about you in, in that kind of way, that you actually, in a sense, kind of possess a spiritual light of sorts. I've... Uh, I was working with one person who, who was going through a lot, and God decided to try to show them very strongly that he wanted to use me as an answer to help them out. And as, uh, as I was standing in the parking lot with them, and they looked at me, they saw this beam of light coming off of my head and shooting into the sky. Now, it's just a vision of sorts. They're in a very desperate place. They didn't want to trust anyone. And God wanted to show them, you can trust Jamin. He's going to walk this with you. I've assigned him to you for this. But one of the ways in which they sensed that was they could see light shooting off of me. Uh, less in, in less of a spiritual sense, when I do deliverance with people and you find freedom in them, there's something in their eyes, that thing that we say when your eyes lit up right now, you're glowing. Like, I often can see that in people. I don't see actual light, but it's that same kind of like, there's something different. I don't know how to find words for it, but I can see it in your eyes right now. That is what we are like as Christians. That as people look into our eyes, they see the light of God and they're attracted to it like flies. 
When they see our good works, they're attracted to it. When they see us living lives that overcome sin and temptation, they start to question their own world. They see that beam of light coming through into their darkness, projecting a different kind of upside-down world, and they say, is that the real one? Is that what I'm supposed to be headed toward? I've seen the world of darkness far too many times. I've tasted it. I've been there. And I've come across so many different demons while doing deliverance that just embrace the fullness of darkness and try to keep people trapped there. And it's hard to explain the darkness that you see in those moments. Pretty much anything that you can imagine them being capable of leading people into, you'll sometimes find come out in testimonies. But then you'll see the way in which they trap people in that darkness over and over again and the shame and the pain and the decisions that they lead people to make. And yet Jesus leans in in those moments and begins to let the light shine in. The Holy Spirit comes and meets people in those moments and begins to let the light shine in. And people suddenly come to find that that God is big enough to handle the darkness. God is big enough to not fit in our box. That particle, that wavelength that we can't describe, all we know is that when light takes over, it, it wins. It wins. There's no darkness that God cannot extinguish. If we black the room out and give a little bit of light, everything changes. I can imagine from a spiritual perspective, God looks down and he sees you as as beacons of sorts, walking throughout Jackson, walking throughout this world. And Christians all around the world, he sees them perhaps as these little beams of light. They're sprouting up to take over the darkness. And I imagine revival from his angle probably looks like an area that's just caught on fire. It was once dark and overtaken by sin, suddenly coming to fruition and lighting up and people seeing things with fresh and new eyes. That's what we pray for here at 1208. We want it to be in Jackson as it is in heaven. We want all of our little flames to unite in such a way that it, it sparks something greater, that it catches fire, that the Holy Spirit comes in a fresh and new way that people aren't expecting, that they can't explain, and that they, they want. And then each one of us comes alongside, and as we set people on fire and we set them ablaze, we then walk alongside of them, teaching the ways that we've learned cultivate fire, cultivate light. It's kind of like taking out logs. Discipleship is kind of like taking out logs in this way and handing them to others. This this worked for me. Take this. And we cultivate more light, more fire. We pull out the old logs that, that aren't catching, that aren't working. We remove the the other elements that are stopping it from from catching more fire. If we want this world to be 
all that it can be, if we want Jackson to be all that it can be, it requires all of us living into our identity under the sons and daughters of light. Um, in a book I wrote once, uh, it was a, the only fiction I ever did, but I talked about the Holy Spirit, and the title I gave him was The Spirit of Light. It's all the kinds of things that he's wanting to lead us in, to guide us into, to bring about more light onto this earth or to bring about more heaven into this place. And as I uh, uh, even look back over the last week, uh, it's only by the Spirit that I, I find myself made aware of things I otherwise wouldn't be made aware of. I remember earlier this week I had a dream in the middle of the night. Um about a uh, acquaintance who's trans, who um, really uh, I figured had no interest in the church. Uh, but in the dream, he was ready to do the exact kind of thing that you just did, stopping and listening to the Holy Spirit. When I had another Christian kind of interrupt and be like, whoa, there's some other things we need to talk about first. And I woke up from that dream and just texted them at three in the morning, just said, hey, uh Kind of had this dream of sorts and thought I'd just reach out to you if you're ever interested in talking more. And the response that I got was, I was just thinking about checking out Nerd Church sometime. Um, I've heard you guys talking about that. And when you guys meet, maybe I can make it work. I, All right, you know. And so we then carve out the space, trying to listen to the Spirit. It's not a person I really even talked to, and yet the bridge was made ahead of me. And I need to continue to see where that bridge goes. When I fell asleep, had another dream about somebody just dealing with difficulty. And I woke up and I texted them. And it seemed to line up with something else somebody had spoken to them. This is, this is what we do. We, we create light. We spread light. We become beacons so that people can see the Spirit. And as they see the Spirit, they're attracted to it. As Paul says, you prophesy over them, the secrets of their hearts are disclosed, and they fall on their, their face and worship God. That's what we continue to do. Carve out that space, shine into the darkness, project the upside-down world, show them that there is something else out there, and it's the real thing.